Yeah. B. How you doing? How you doing, man? I'm good. How about you? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. I just uh, I started trying to write this new script, and it's super weird because it's like mostly dream sequences. It's you know, obviously yeah. I I thought about Inception, and it's sort of like partly inspired by that idea, but it's it's kind of a weird project I'm writing as a love letter to my girl, you know. Oh, that's dope. So, so it, that that reminds me of um, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. I feel you. That's 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 a project. I love I love Charlie Kaufman, obviously, and like, yeah, that's actually I have trouble watching that film recently because it it's so powerful to me that I almost I last several times I thought about watching it and I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if I'm ready. For real? Yeah, I really feel like. It's a powerful film for sure. It is. It is. And I, I saw it um, like when it came out on video, like that was back on, what was that? Like VHS, like Blockbuster days, I think. Yeah. And uh, I, or did I see it on TV? You know, bro? Okay. Maybe that's a plane. We're just going to say that's a plane because the lights are getting a little bit brighter. But why would a plane have its lights on in the daytime? <laughs> I don't know, man. Bro, if I was to send you video right now, fuck no, it's not. It can't be. B, B. You're seeing some stuff right now. B, B. I can't even get my video. It only has my phone on right now. Yo, that's really funny, man. That's that's probably a. Pl- it's gotta be a plane, bro. Okay, now I see two lights on it. Okay. That's gotta be a plane, bro. Okay, we're just gonna say that that's a plane. All right, there's a plane. Because I think I may see two wings. All right, cool. We're moving forward now. <laughs> Everything's good. You can't be too sure out here, man. I'm. T- it's a plane. It's a plane. It's a bird. It's Superman. <laughs> man, move, yo! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Man's Heart Podcast. I am your host, Barry Graves. <laughs> and in, in case you you um, didn't read the title, didn't catch it all the way, or you didn't catch his first episode on The Black Man's Heart, we have a returning guest, a dear friend, dear brother of ours, up-and-coming filmmaker, stand-up comedian, screenwriter, filmmaker. This this guy is is the creative. He's like a superhero out here. Oh my he's, God. he's putting people to work. He's bridging relationships and, and helping inspire others. And he's looking to do within the community and with other artists. Yo, one of the dopest minds out there in the world wow. doing film. You guys got, I, I read some of this shit. I can, I can, I can certify that it's right up there with Atlanta, with Twin Peaks, with, uh, some of these shows that cultural or or how they say cult classics, they just they're timeless. Welcome back to the Black Man's Heart Podcast. Our brother Baraka Noel. What's going on, fam? Well, that's that's humbling, but I will say you already know this, but I'll repeat it. You are absolutely one of my favorite actors at all to work with in the world. If I had the opportunity to work with anyone 
I would definitely want you to be involved because uh, your dedication. I I I just love the energy and focus you put into your craft. I I don't know. You told me you haven't really been thinking about acting, but I really I really respect that element. But I do think it's more fun, and maybe you will agree with me. Thank like you, I've been trying to think about acting as a, as like like Jordan Peele approach to acting. You know what I mean? Where it's like you do it when the time is right, you do it when the project is right and kind of like taking a step back and thinking about all the other skills of filmmaking, you know, and sort of laying those pieces together. So thank you for that uh, amazing introduction. I really, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that actually. Man, you've already said it all. <laughs> you said thank you, bro. And you don't even have to do that because listen, you deserve all the props right now. You just one of your your one of your latest films, The Rose Motel, which I had the pleasure of, of being directed by you on. Like you brought me on to that one and and man, it was an experience, bro. But that film is a part of the the well you can you can tell everybody what it, what what the anthology is, but <laughs> it just dropped October twenty first, Symphony. Can you, on Friday, yeah. Symphony uh horror anthology a clubhouse clubhouse project i um it's i don't i don't really entirely know how to process the sort of wave of of energy and attention that has has come to the project i'm i'm really honored to be involved with it to have been a producer on it to have been you know a collaborator i also uh we have our film, Rose Motel, that's sort of waiting in the wings um, for people to see it. And so I don't totally know what to say about the reveal of that. But uh, I, I think November, the DVD release, it'll be really exciting to see what comes out. And then I think in November, there's also possibly some streaming outlets that might have us in the in the extras but i don't know how it's working i do know it was incredible to be able to shoot that project and to to sort of try to figure out like this this other level of filmmaking just the the distribution angle and the i mean every every moment was such a learning process you know i don't mm -hmm. i don't even know in some way, like, I remember how it went down, but I kind of don't even know how it happened, you know? But uh, there's so many incredible filmmakers on Clubhouse that come together and have started to really generate work in a new way. The, the next anthology is already sort of in the works, and there's some incredible, incredible collaborators. There's Jed Shepard, Alex Neuer are both involved, and um, Jed helped us out a little bit. With Shout this out Jed Shepard. Oh, Jed Shepard's amazing, and Haley Bishop. You know, Jed. Jed now has a dash cam on Hulu, which is wild. I don't know if you've checked that out yet, but I heard him talk about you know sort of putting it together, and it's it's been really wild to see how he's able to sort of build these projects that capture people's imagination. You know, right, man. And that's the dope part about filmmaking is you can take a concepts or um, a writer's screenplay, and as a director, you can put your own lens on it. What can you tell us about the Rose Motel right now? Well, so we, we worked with Edna, uh, Edna Ramos on that project. And so she's, she's sort of this um, 
central element of the film where um, she's in the wraparounds as the character Symphony, this demon who's sort of like calling out to people through a, a mechanism of, of a song, you know? And so it's really, um, really interesting to see, like it came together organically. So essentially our piece, the Rose Motel, is also a backdrop for this other this other narrative and i don't know i don't want to reveal too much i've seen you know like some of the plot uh the plot mechanisms have been sort of revealed but like really what's interesting i think is all the different styles that have come together you know mm -hmm. to build this sort of rich woven um interlocking narrative and of course like just that, you know, the way Screen Anthology was able to sort of help these different voices really invest in trying to tell a story in a new way. But the, mm. the concept for Rose Motel is essentially a comic who he loses his mind because he gets cut off from his, his people. He gets cut off from his technology and he gets sort of lost in this whirlwind of anxiety and uh, it's it's also a little bit of an exploration of how white supremacy can take one moment and turn a person into a monster, at least in someone's eyes, you know? Wow. Yeah, I was trying wow. to do kind of like a Argento homage, you know, in the style of uh, Nouvelle Vague cinema, like very much like... Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you just said a lot of big words, fam. Can you Can you break that down? The art, the, well, so the... we sh we shot with um, Alex Ajayi, and he shout out to Alex. Shout yeah, to he, Alex. he has a fantastic eye, and he's very specific about wanting to represent, you know, the visual element in a way that ties in to the narrative we're telling. And so, like, we could not have made this project without Alex. And um, so we shot on this Komodo red anamorphic lens. Oh, and let me tell you, the watching him work, he's surgical with it. He's surgical with it. He'll 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 do things with that camera and different angles and with the with the storyline that is just, you know, it's it's impress not just impressive. It, it's inspiring to see. Yeah, Shout it was, and and that piece of work. I mean, he honestly donated a lot of. Uh, to, to fit into the budget he sort of like helped us out making sure we had the best possible equipment but um it's it's the most gorgeous camera i've ever worked on and we were trying to do this contrast with the panoramic lens and then the claustrophobia of the of the small room but i'm really i mean sylvia williams we her prosthetics that she built for us the fx were really incredible mary madison baldo was fantastic with makeup I'm really honored to have gotten to work with all of you guys. Like Stella Ray Carline is one of my favorite actors too. And she was uh, fantastic. I thought just so vulnerable, you know, she wept actually. I'm sorry. It cut out uh, briefly. She was, uh, you were talking about Stella. She was Stella. In yeah. Stella Ray Carline is just such a Shout out Stella. actress and such an instrument. And um, we sort of asked her to do, some very vulnerable work and and I, i'm always amazed you know she was also in cinder too obviously like we've been working on that project and we got some 
some debuts coming with that. But yeah, Stella has she another like you said, doveness, man, because you're you're working with 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 this crazy and shout out to Sylvia, shout out to Mary. We you're working with this dope, eclectic, just like a um breakfast club of of artists that are coming together. You know, some people are double booked during this and but yeah, on 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 set in their element, it's it's just like a flawless symphony. And 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 is that intentional or does that just come together for you? Um, you know, man, it's it's really kind of an odd moment because what I see is some different artists I've worked with for years, but in terms of like trying to reveal the work to people, it really, in some ways, every, every time you enter a new space, it's like everything you've ever done, it's like it never happened, right? So like <laughs> you have to represent yourself in a moment with, usually people want you to say one thing, like what's the best blank? And then yeah. that's everything. That's everything we're going <laughs> to evaluate you by. And for me, I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what the best is, but I I try to um I try to remember like the people that I work with and that is outside of myself, right? So like like if I'm trying to promote a show, for example, on stage, mm-hmm. you know, I could come up and be like, Hi, I'm amazing. Come see me on stage, but I'm not convinced by that and neither are you. But what I can say truthfully is these people are incredible. Come see their work. So like in Rose Motel, the work that you did with Andrew Rose, like I, I am fascinated. And like on on any of these projects, it's like wow, Jason Bagosta had this incredible effects, and like the blood work was fantastic. And Sylvia Williams blew everyone's mind, and Edna completely embodied her role. And so it's the collaborative element that allows us to step outside of ourselves. I feel like. Man, I I you know as you're saying that. I'm thinking about uh, the Rose character and, uh, you know, Edna. Oh, my goodness. Dude, the uh, the dancer. Um, I, I can't remember her name. Um, the violin player. It was the violin, not the dancer. Yeah, the dancer okay. and the violin yeah. player. Dancer and a violin player. Dude, this, this was so crazy. Like to be on, I don't know what it's gonna look like. I like you know, but just to be a part of it, to see that um, you guys had that that vision, that you had that vision, writing it. What? So you wanted to add all of these 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 elements um, in it in, in writing it. How do you come up with such a vivid portrait of those elements? Uh, I think some of it was sleep deprivation. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was an odd sort of um, time writing that piece. Uh, it was like in the early days of coming on a clubhouse and just hearing about a couple opportunities where people are looking for scripts. So I actually ended up writing two different scripts uh, in the same in the same night. So we, you know, we had our team sort of brainstorming about one of them one of them i had come up with a with a mechanism but i don't know have you talked to alfonso enrique i don't know if you guys have ever encountered each other on clubhouse or anything i can't remember 
remember. Yeah, he's um he's a fantastic screenwriter and he's you know produced some things. He's got some projects sort of in the works. And also I believe he had some sort of uh behind the scenes role on um like the flight attendant season two, maybe he was like working in the office or something. But uh he his writing is fantastic and he has sort of a concept he's pushing. I don't know how much it's like a secret, but essentially it's sort of an anthology concept of interconnected uh, vignettes. And so he reached out to me and I um, have gotten to do a little bit of writing on that project, which is pretty nice, um, amazing. And it's not, uh, it's, it's, you could say in the early stages of development, I think he's shopping it around, but it was really exciting for me because uh, I actually worked with Rachel to write about an hour of contained scenes for him. And then we ended up spinning off one of them into a feature concept that is kind of fun. So um, yeah, just, I don't know where that project's going to go, but I'm glad I got to at least put my mind towards it, you know? Yo, man, and I can't wait to see it because it, it seems like now a lot of uh, 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 small short films or anthologies or or uh, series are are kind of like that's a thing now on streaming sites. Well, it's a cool opportunity for filmmakers, you know, to sort of like you know, it's sort of like an anthology book in the same way, where it's like a bunch of different people all promoting one thing together, you know. Right. Collaborative efforts, man. It's each one, reach one, each one, teach one. Uh, Teamwork makes the dream work kind of thing. And I'm here for it, bro, because it's, it's, you know, it's not about money sometimes. It's just about, like you said, there's a, there's, there's something that can be shown to illustrate something that's going on or affecting us and that's huge the, the, it, it, coming together with so many different artists to create that is big it's just like creating music beautiful music not just a song but music you know it, it's 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 there to inspire it is are you are you uh are you still in the in the like you mentioned you were writing uh working on a project are you still in the uh artistic flow of filmmaking and oh. and comedy at the same time or do you do you kind of do one and then the other or how does that work well, man? so with stand up honestly every day it's um it's kind of like a mercenary thing it's like every day you got to figure out what the best opportunity is as a stand up and so i try to get on stage as much as I can, I don't really get on stage every day right now, but I have like these 12 gigs coming up. And so I'm trying to just make sure I, I get at least a few reps in, in between, you know, right. but um, with filmmaking, honestly, I've been sort of trying to challenge myself to develop as many scripts, like conceptually as possible. So Right now, I'm working on this thing that's sort of, it's like a a small universe I started to build. Um, Essentially, it's a character named Colby Taylor, 
who is trying to navigate his relationship with this woman that he's in love with, but she sort of has other preoccupations so that take her away from him. Mm. And so uh, I just wrote this thing called Bang Up Job, where the concept is it's like a like an action film, like a like a sort of dumb big budget action concept, but contrasted with um, Colby, who's this aimless character who's trying to he's like witnessing this this hero and he's trying to figure out can he be a hero and so he he goes through his own like low level version of testing his limit and i wait, have wait, not I'm, gotten a chance to do a table read i want to i want to get a table read of it and sort of hear it but yeah testing his limits of what so the concept is he goes it's actually based on this uh conversation i had with a, a guy in a cafe like a few years ago oh. um maybe like a year or two ago uh he he recognized me from this open mic i had done it was out of town in like nevada city and he's like oh you're at the mic whatever whatever so i was talking to him and he told me so he was like can i tell you a story i'm like yeah tell me a story man and he told me this story he goes i was working uh at this construction site just like basically sweeping up and this guy I was working for, he would show up every couple days with these bruises, scratches, like bandages, wounds, mm. you know? And it's just like, he would, he didn't say anything about it. And then like, he would move on and then he would show up a couple days later and have all these crazy marks on Say anything to him because I didn't want to lose my job. Mm. But eventually, when the job was over, I asked him like, hey man, what's the deal? And he told me, this is what he said. He's like, I don't, I don't really believe him, but this is what he said. <laughs> and I was like, well, what are you in, like, you know, Fight Club or something? He's, like, this is the real, this is the thing. Like, I actually, I used to do black ops work, you know, abroad, but now I just live here in LA. But like, every so often, they call me in to investigate a suspected sleeper cell, and I, you know, investigate and. So sometimes, you know, things go down. And it was like, that, that's the story. And I was in the cafe at like nine in the morning. I'm like, that's a crazy story. Can I, uh, <laughs> can I borrow that? I think I want to write that. And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. So that, that is that's the actual crazy. origin of the concept, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it weird how everyone has a story to tell? Well, there's a couple, like I... I had another thing happen exactly like that where a guy just told me a story and I was like, can I steal that? And he's like, yes. Where uh, he goes, <laughs> a few, he goes, a few years ago, he did mushrooms. Someone gave him mushrooms for the first time. So he's, he's taking mushrooms and he like an hour passes, he starts to trip. And just as he started to trip, somebody else told him like who knew that he was on drugs freshly on drugs and he's trying to mess with him was like hey man you died you're dead like you died man you this isn't a party like this this is heaven you're dead and so the Damn. guy the guy's like tripping and he's like whoa i'm dead okay and so he gets up and he like leaves the party and he gets in his car and he drives up and down the coast for three days and he kind of like goes into a blackout fugue state and then he wakes up after three days 
and he's on the wrong side of the Mexican border and he doesn't know what happened. And he's just talking to the border patrol. And he's like, I'm dead. I died. That's what's like, I died. I'm dead. And so then eventually, you know, that was the story, but I was like, wow, I want to, I want to write that story. That sounds amazing. So that's, you know, the stories are around and yeah, if, if no one else wants it, I'll take it for sure. Wait, wait. So that was Cinder too. That's actually a, just a different story that I heard one time, but, um, I don't even remember. I I think I probably heard it after 2015 because I wrote Cinder 2 in 2015. Wow, that is incredible, man. Off of mushrooms. Hey, be careful. <laughs> Shout out to everybody out there that's uh that has a story to tell too, because um, you know, living in San Francisco or just the Bay Area period, you go downtown. Or you just, you know, walk down. You go, All you got to do is go outside, get on the bus sometimes, and you'll see somebody that obviously has a story to tell. Like, you just know their life is was interesting. And, and they don't stand out in any way in particular. It's just about them. It's just something about them. It, when you when you encounter uh, these these stories with people, what engages or do you know? Is there something that encourages or or influences it, or the uh, introduction, the opening to even talking, the exchange of information? Is there something about that experience that just that that's common? It, it, I mean, how does this? happened so many times that with you with you that you can meet people with such interesting stories bro like how does that even do you do you know is there a rhythm you know, to it i think that um since doing stand-up there's kind of a, a shift in how i perceive uh like moment to moment in that essentially um like my approach to stand up is when I hear laughter, like if I hear myself laughing or I hear someone else laughing like pretty hard, I try to remember what just happened and then I'll make a note of it. So that's that's a pretty lazy approach. It's not the same as like someone who sits down and stares at a page for like 3 hours a day. I just try to remember what made the laughter happen and then if I remember it well enough, I try it on a stage and if it works, I keep saying it. So like, right. I think that that approach to attention for 10 years essentially opens you up to other stuff where it's like, Oh, that would be a great sketch. That could be a great feature. Film. Like I remember once, uh, this might not be a good story, but maybe it is. I was at the San Luis Obispo comedy festival. And to be honest, I was bored out of my mind. It was a few years ago, nothing against the festival or anything. But, you know, I have what I like, and I was honestly, in that moment, I was a San Louis comic, so I was kind of bitter, because I was like, how come <laughs> there aren't San Louis Obispo comics on this festival? They're all, like, L.A. comics. Facts. Uh, so I was just annoyed. But then some some funny people came up. There was one I really like. I think Brian Bowers. I think that's... Was it Brian Bowers? Maybe. Uh, there's a couple comics that, you know, I've followed since then. But there's this one dude. I don't remember his name. He got up. He told a really funny story, actually about uh having a stutter and beating a stuttering cop he's like i have a stutter but like the cop had a stutter and the cop thought i was making fun of him <laughs> so that was his bit 
and it was solid. I mean, I was like, that was a funny bit, you know? It just kind of hit the way you wanted to. So I came up to him after, and this is presumptuous of me, but this is what I do. I was like, hey, bro, you should film that. That's an incredible sketch. Mm. And he's like, whoa. Like, first he was like, not trying to listen to me. He was just like, yeah, whatever. Thank you. Thank you. Whatever. I was like, no, bro, bro listen. That's a sketch. You should film that. And uh, sometimes I, you know, you have to figure out what the shape of the thing is. Yeah. And so I think that being a comic, I've started to listen differently. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And it, it's, it's even, it's almost like you can see it as it's happening. Um, do you, have you had that experience with literature? You know, it's funny you should say that because there are actually some stories that I read at, this is kind of insane, but as a kid, there's a few n- novels or short stories I read where I was like, you know what? This should, like, I want to adapt this. Like, I don't, at the time, I'm like, I don't even, but I just feel like someone should adapt this. And if no one does it by the time I figure out how to do it, then I should. And I, right. I still have those in my head. I'll just break them out because I'm not really that worried about uh keeping my ideas secret uh other people like to do that i don't really give a fuck about that but uh vertical run is this is this novel that is fucking dope it's like a diehard kind of kind of story and i won't i won't ruin like i won't give do the work for everyone you got to read it yourself but vertical run should be adapted that would be amazing um and there's this one called the art of breaking glass by matthew hall and I want to fucking make a feature film of the Art of Bring Glass so bad. It would be amazing. I won't get into what this plot is, but it's dope. There's a there's one called, uh, I think it's called A Thousand Lives by Orson Scott Card. Amazing. I want to adapt that. There's one called Changes by Orson Scott Card. I want to adapt that. I talked to my friend Amanda about adapting another card story, and we're talking about whether we want to try to do, She already has a script, and I came up with the concept. But So actually, when I was a kid, I was thinking... Asimov's Foundation, like why we are obsessed with Star Wars, but no one wants to do Asimov's Foundation. And like twenty years later, now they're doing that. So, yeah, I got lots of literature in my in my head that I want to adapt for sure. Did you say Asimov's Foundation? Yeah, Isaac Asimov has an idea of the hundred worlds. That's really dope. And uh, I think Hulu started making it or something. What is that about? Can you tell us about that? Uh, I can tell you what I remember. Uh, I read a lot as a kid, so I I don't have. 100% retention but essentially the concept is that earth developed space flight and identified 100 inhabitable worlds and so earth inhabits the 100 worlds uh like different humans started different worlds and in the 100 worlds like i remember cuz you know i was in puberty when i was reading them so one of them was like a sex world where like there were no taboos about sex and everyone was very free to consent at every moment and I was like, I would like to study more about, like, he only had a paragraph about it. I was like, I think we could use a couple books about the sex world. I would like us, someone should write the sex world book, please. Let's make a sex world movie. <laughs> Hella highlights and notes on that one. Yeah, like I, I had a bunch of ideas about that. <laughs> so, yeah. But That's there's dope. other worlds. It's not all sex world. Rick and Morty has kind of delved into some of that territory, like boob world and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. But, um, I love Rick and Morty for that reason. I love anything that explores like alternate realities, time, space, continuum, 
quantum, you know, all, all that stuff. That's hard, man. And, and so you've been actually a student of, of uh, art, uh, I, I would say storytelling for a, a while now then. I, I, did you know that? Did you know that you were studying this stuff? You know, man, I really haven't changed that much. I, it's I'm not that proud of it. But when I was a kid, yo, 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 and we're back, and we're back, yo. So my, and I'm sorry about that, man. Um, I don't know if it's what's going on with the app or if it's you know connection thing. But um, you when we what's before up, we man? cut out before we cut out, you were saying that um. You don't, you haven't really spoken about this, but you were about to say something about when you were young. I think uh, I had asked you about. Oh, we were talking about uh, Cinder 2. There's this concept I thought of, of like, basically, I think we talked about this a little bit, but like, you know how Robin Williams wanted to play the Joker? Yes. So it's that kind of thing. It's like, uh, you hear about these movies that almost get made and then a different version gets made. And so I was just really fascinated about the idea of what happens when you have a different actor playing the same character, what happens when a different director handles the same script. And so some of the play that we did with Cinder 2 was was an extension of that that idea. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. And that duality. Um, exactly. Is it, 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 I see it a little bit in the Rose Motel without giving too much away. I see some of the, is that, is that one of your, um, is that a, is that a recurring theme or or something that like Hitchcock is, is just really a master at suspense? Are you are you do you feel that connection with the duality of characters or duality of humans? You know, I'm pretty fascinated with discontinuity. I think it comes from from that place for me. Um, we were I mean, we talked a little bit. I, I've been seeing elements of uh, what I understand to be sort of the French new wave of cinema popping up a lot in in projects mm. recently, and it's something I'm fascinated with. Uh, and I'm I'm in no way an expert on you know, but basically the concept of some of this floating camera, handheld close-ups with strong musical scores and mu- ties to music. A lot of times it'll be buried dialogue. Um, bright colors and just like these different elements that um, we we tried to sort of use in our work and I'm very fascinated with certain types of genre play and cinematography play so yeah I have been a bit more deconstruction of character recently and um, other elements like even in stand-up disambiguation from the audience and stuff that I I I do think some of these absurd elements, like maybe as the world seems to be dissecting itself or deconstructing itself, it makes sense for us to question other other elements of form. You know, that's sort of a pretentious way to put it. I I could try to I could try to break it down in a simpler way, which is like uh, when we were shooting Cinder, time dictated that uh, we could get more done if we shot with more actors. You know what I mean? <laughs> So there's like a, a quantum style of, of filmmaking too, where it's like once I, this is, this is probably foolish for me to say it, but I do think it's sort of fascinating in the sense that like particle observed uh, operates differently than an unobserved particle. So I do think sometimes it's interesting to give actors and crew a level of trust to be outside of the space. So for, for Rose Motel, for example, I wasn't always in the room. Sometimes I, a lot of time I was watching from uh 
from a monitor outside the room and just allowing some type of intimacy or privacy for for the suspension of disbelief you know right it could kind of like that if if a tree fell in the woods exactly exactly it's 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 interesting how your 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 mind works man because a lot of people are literal and you're kind of like in the matrix with it it's really dope also to see it on film like to see it come together do you have any thoughts of where the rose motel may go in some people's in some people's imagination do you think the message is going to come across the way you want it to uh i mean right now i'm just interested in if it'll be seen because of course if it's on dvd then i'm sure that some people who want to check out our work will will check it out but if it's available in a streaming sort of uh, venue, then that definitely opens up the possibility of who might engage with it and how to guide people there. And right. so, um, to, honestly, I haven't seen the final, but I have seen Picture Lock before, you know, a couple CGI elements, I think, and different coloring elements. And I am not totally sure where the uh, the audio landed. So in some ways, I'm like a bystander sort of fascinated to see how it'll turn out. I do think that um, the rollout is going in a pretty interesting direction right now. And so the fact that there's more, more to reveal, I think can only, can only help us uh, as, as we roll out the project, you know? That, and, and that's, and that's it. So it dropped on the 21st, but it'll be yeah. released for purchase on the 28th. So no, it's available for rental and purchase right now. In November, I think that November it'll be available in sort of a more uh like on a streaming platform without additional purchase, I believe, but I'm not totally sure about that. And and the DVD is coming out. Something like I don't remember what it's November something like right around Thursday uh the Thursday of Thanksgiving, but I don't remember the exact date. Just in time for Black Friday. Exactly. <laughs> in time to come home to your family. Hey man, let me ask you. So what are what are some of the films that you or TV shows have you been watching anything lately that's in you know piqued your interest? Oh yeah. Actually I really like good behavior. Good um, behavior. I, yeah, that is that behavior a... is on HBO Max. Um and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, but it's pretty interesting and sort of un, unusual. It's a genre piece which I like, but it has a lot of character. Um, I mean, I just got into honestly Ted Lasso. I kind of was waiting, so I, I'm a little behind the curve, but I'm pretty into it. And uh, I know people have been flipping over the finale. I, I thought it was pretty exciting, and um, I started. I waited a long time to watch Atlanta, and I started to to binge Atlanta, and I really liked that. Um, I like so much of the genre play he's doing is really cool. And we actually ran through the first two seasons of Lethal Weapon and got pretty into it also. What, the the Lethal Weapon remake on Fox? Yeah. Oh, also this this show Reboot is pretty cool. Steve Carell has a new show. I like a lot of the stuff that's out. Gavin Michael Booth um, is, a, is a filmmaker I have a lot of love for. And his lady has been popping up on a lot of stuff. So it's kind of cool to check that out too. So I, I, I just got a glimpse of... Um of uh reboot and uh maybe 
maybe the first two episodes. It's 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 pretty dope. It's pretty dope. I actually dope. really like it. Yeah, it's Keegan Michael Key, and it's just like I like. So there's another show called Kevin Can Go F Himself. I've um, been watching that too. That's yeah, that's crazy. That's doing like the genre play. I saw obviously WandaVision did genre play. And, like, I've just been tracing for years. Like, I love it when uh, Will Ferrell has a few projects that play with that kind of cinematography games. I think it's really exciting the way things have been breaking down a little bit, you know? Yeah, most definitely, man. And and, and it gives, uh, I mean, if this kind of TV was out back then, it would have been, I, I think we would have had a lot more kids and families in the house watching uh, programming. You know, like if we if there was a dark side to Lucy and Dez, uh, I mean, uh, Lucy and Ricky, if there was um, a TV show that explored what living in Atlanta would be like for blacks at that time, but in a different way or or in New York, for example, but in a di- in a more honest, creative and, and thoughtful way, it, like you said, doing a genre play on it. It, it, I think it would have created this uh, golden renaissance maybe at that time if it was done because we had so much other, so many other uh, elements to artful forms at the time. We had comedy, we had, um, which a lot of the, the, the legends were still around. So kind of like what Eddie Murphy did with Harlem Nights. If that was just in TV shows and, um, and in series, uh, television series, um, or on cable when it was first, you know, HBO back in his beginning days. I think the landscape would have been different. I think the splintering of how we take in culture has allowed for some kind of intimacy of mm. projects, you know. Oh, we're disconnected now. Let me... Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, so I, I do think that especially now that the tools are sort of more accessible and there's no central place to take in culture, it's really... I was watching actually... Um, Elvis, it was, you know, like kind of interesting the way that that film explored the monopolizing of culture where there's only so many ways or outlets to get into or break out of culture. And so you're sort of stuck, you know what I mean? Mm. And and when you try to seize on to the tools to to manipulate your own uh, your own outlet, say the way Sam Cooke did, it it can go it can go sort of one or two ways it can be really successful or can be with a lot of resistance you know do you think that's the it, so it, i i know what you're talking about and is that do you feel like that's um the the black struggle or is that just a, is it a global thing or a universal thing universal struggle you know man so the 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 black obstacle i've seen a lot in in certain art forms at least is uh the pressure to present yourself in in a single sort of limited way that conforms to the ideas of the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. So I do think I've found a lot of hope in, I actually wrote an essay about this, about like the nature of black cinema, but like the way that say uh, narratives like Moonlight sort of complicate what it is to be, to be articulating Black Identity. I think like Sam Jay is doing really interesting stuff. I think Killer Mike's show that he had on Netflix kind of was a really interesting challenge to um, like traditional expectations of Black expression, you know? And mm-hmm. Atlanta is totally playing in that space where I'm very fascinated with the opportunity to find like sort of these 
smaller, weirder portraits of, of blackness, you know? Actually, right. even um, that show uh, on Peacock that has Sam J and Chris Red bust down, it kind of... Bust down, like, yeah. Shout out to Sam J. And, uh, and rest in peace to uh, to the brother that passed recently that was also on that show. Um, oh, my God. I didn't hear about that. There we Jack go. Knight. No, I rest didn't in hear, peace I didn't to brother that. Jack Knight. When was that? Oh, man. It was, uh, I believe, about... It had to be about a month, two months ago. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. He he had the, a really Oh, actually, it was July, July 14th. That's horrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. Is that, uh, do you know what happened or? Um, I, I mean, let me see. Um, uh, it was ruled a suicide. Oh, that's it says horrible. it was ruled a suicide. Um, well, which, honestly, which... I don't always trust that when it comes to a black man, but that's what's up. Right, it says um, um, that he was found um, with a gunshot wound. So I, man, rest in peace to Jack Knight. Um, the, you know, it, it's watching the show, bro. If you've never seen him perform or do any kind of stand up or anything, you immediately you would think, okay, he is the comic relief for this whole... So he's going to carry the show as far as... Um, oh, yeah, um, it was a great character. I, I mean, his, his just the way his mind would think, like the sperm bank episode. If, if you guys have not seen that sperm bank episode, it's the funniest shit because he goes into this... Um, uh, what's the character's name from... Um, from uh uh the watchman that had the 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 mask on that would Rorschach. Rorschach. He would do this. he would go into this Rorschach voice while he's crawling through the ducks at a sperm bank to get his boy's sample back. Or 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 to uh to help foil a plan or something. I can't remember what it was, but his his comedic genius was on another level, man. And I it it's really unfortunate that um, that a lot of our brothers, um, the suicide rate is and the mental health issue going on with this is just it's astronomical. And we have to talk more about it. Let me ask you uh, while we're on the topic, B, have you had experience with um, the men, just whether it's in character or in comedy, being able to express emotions or feelings? things that you were dealing with? Um, well, so I want to say, not to get crazy, but I want to say uh, mental health is a real is a real concern, and obviously that's important uh, to examine. But I do have to say when I just hear without details here, like it was a suicide, there's something that comes up for me. As I was working on this uh, last project, I was just trying to write. You know, I set out to just, you know, let me write about sort of just a simple action, action thing, just bang, bang, whatever the hell, you know, because mm. I see a lot of projects get made. They're not all deep. They're not all Oscar projects. Some of them are just fun, you know, whatever. So I was like, let me just write a dumb action film. Right. And then I was doing some research and I, I personally, I don't really, uh, I kind of drawn a line where I don't really set stuff after 2015 
because the world started changing. I don't totally understand the world now. So I, I write, <laughs> I write things said in, in the world more as I, yeah. So I was doing some research on some, on some news stories and I Googled some stuff. I was, I was researching around Ferguson. Uh, and then I found this story. I found a news story that was present day news story in LA, Los Angeles, in a park somewhere around, I don't remember where. And it said there was a body found. It had been set on fire. It was hanging from a tree. Mm. And uh, the police ruled it a suicide. They said they couldn't identify gender or race. Well, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know the race. I don't know the gender. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a suicide. And uh, I don't. Hello, hello. Man, man, man. I don't know what's going on, bro, but this thing is. We're gonna bring, and we're back, and we're back. <laughs> so, do you, do you remember where you left off? Uh, well, I mean, I was talking about a bunch of stuff. I was talking about this news story, and I mean, honestly, if we want to go back, I could talk about the dark, the dark alliance articles, which um, I've I've actually written about before because I think it's fascinating. It's G- Gary Webb, I believe, was a journalist who wrote a bunch of stories about. Uh, the origin of crack and essentially he wrote about freeway rick ross and how uh the cia was literally facilitating and funding bringing cocaine into the united states and then the transition of cocaine into crack which is way more affordable started selling and it was all a cia operation this dude gary webb wrote all these articles about it and then he committed suicide with two uh gunshots to the head and it's just fascinating what's ruled a suicide. Uh, we were talking about, uh, I, I was talking to my friend about Jay Terrio, who's a comic I love, and she used to tell a joke about uh, <laughs> maybe it was Jackie who killed Kennedy, which I thought was kind of stupid at the time. But recently I've been like, I don't know, maybe it was a suicide. Maybe JFK shot himself, you know, who knows? Damn, that's crazy, man, because I think, who was it? Uh, Dave Chappelle was talking about... Um, the the murders in in dc and how all most of the people that were killed had crack sprinkle some crack on them, on them. <laughs> it, it's it's i fuck the the commit i don't i i'm trying to bring it back it's hard to bring it back after that being on stage are are you able to do you find it um are you able to talk about these things or, or express uh, things that you're going through or what things that you're experiencing or maybe what society's going through? Like, is it, is there kind of a, an outlet for that? Uh, you know, man, I like to think of stand up in the tradition of sort of the ancient tradition of the campfire. And as a comic, we go out every night, comics go out and tell, tell their stories they make up stories, they tell old old ones, or they, you know, take fiction and fact and put them together to try to make a point of some kind and try to release the tension. Yeah. And I, the way I think about it is there's every single night on Earth since humans have spoken, there's been someone, at least one person somewhere by a fire telling a story. And so we're participating in that tradition. And it's this ancient ancient thing and i i love thinking of it that way you know 
that's a dope way to look at it too. I I I see a lot of the 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 old timers on stage, and it just seems so flawless, so effortless. How they can um, go from anecdotal, um, observant style to talk re or reflective to where they're talking about a part of their life, and they're making it a seamless journey. Uh, this this effortless seamless uh story about the human experience or or trial and error or overcoming something like there's a theme to it and, and i've always thought that as just masterful how, how does someone have all of this shit inside of them and and they're able to just alliterate uh uh, uh what is the word articulate it like that in that way is, is is this shit effortless for you man like storytelling like does it just is it a part of your your everyday like is it just a part of you where this is just like breathing to me i just have to do this shit you know man i've been studying this this art form and it has its own sort of expectations on it that are a little different from say emceeing uh or you know just like straight storytelling but i feel like regardless of how long you've been doing it there's 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 like the ability theoretically to give yourself over completely to this thing in a moment and the more you do it sort of the more you're potentially able to do that and so in in new york for example you can get up on stage potentially five or six times in a day it's right. you know they have you can get around they have the transportation system they have a lot of mics one way or another like in the bay there's maybe a slightly lower expectation of how often you can get on. But I knew people who would do five sets in a day driving hours, you know, and they would have to work out the exact timing of when they get on and then they bump everyone and then they bounce. And it's not exactly, uh, that's not, that doesn't lend itself to a culture of everyone sitting around and listening to each other. It's more a personal grind. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you do that, when you do like two, three, four sets in a day, I found, you know, the second set, you, you kind of course correct. Oh, this is what I wish I'd done differently. And the third set, there's this freedom. And after the third set, it's total like, don't give a fuck because you go into a flow state, you know? And that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of the attempt, right? Is to, to be inspired enough and also have the technique to get into that balance flow state and some people are masters i mean everyone talks about robin williams as like the master of just like turning it off or turning it on and just going you know yeah. i i think we most of us aspire to have moments like that and that level of vulnerability can some people are so sensitive that it, it can break a person you know what i mean so it's yeah the balance is a real question i think too wow that's really deep that's really deep it almost brings it, it almost um um makes me wonder about the the difference between touring let's say 200 cities with a certain act versus touring maybe 20 cities with that act and then the venue size um having those smaller intimate uh gatherings those environments where not it's not like the crowd is handpicked but those that are supposed to be there for that are there for that kind of thing if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I can't really imagine having to try to do something as intimate as like a solo performance in a space that's built for, 
you know, like in an arena that's built to watch spe- huge spectacles. And I, I mean, that's why I guess people have fire in their specials and they have dancers and, you know, because it's like you have to hold this large attention. For me, it really is primarily about the writing. I'm really fascinated about, about ideas and the way that people phrase them. So that's sort of my fixation, but I'm, I'm always trying to expand and learn other other types of expression you know facts man and, and so b wh- how do you just for everyone out there that's listening and everyone out there that that is that's on a grind or that has a talent or has a passion what do you how do you stay in shape mentally uh, and artistically how do you stay in shape uh i mean well stand-up is is its own sort of particular craft i'm trying to learn how to answer that question as a filmmaker how to to stay engaged and to be able to produce work regularly but with with stand-up it's sort of ideal in that all it requires is a single person speaking and like to some extent like anyone or any uh critical mass of people listening and so that's that's a beautiful thing about the form like as a hip-hop artist it was very difficult uh i saw a lot of people you know when i was trying to be a hip-hop artist as opposed to just loving hip-hop and doing whatever privately like mm-hmm. i saw a lot of people performing off of like a cd or an mp3 without a dj so they're on stage they're talking to someone who's not really a part of their work and they're kind of like oh put on track seven no a little louder and it's <laughs> it's very much like removed from the sense of community hip-hop or crew or the, the idea of like this engaged culture and i feel like in order to 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 manifest the works solo you really have to have a strong sense of what you're doing you know like i personally like to go up in front of not just like comedy mics where it's people who are there for comedy but it's it's really interesting to me to go up when comedy is not expected and play with play with what that expectation is and it's a different level of sort of tension yeah if if people are expecting a joke or if they're not but i think i don't really differentiate as much as i should about form like for me it's about the ideas you know gotcha and and that's like almost taking it back to the original uh roots of 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 the stand-up comic um or the the the, the jester or the the comedian or the person that's sent the MC, uh, where the, the tomatoes are smashing against the backdrop kind of thing if you bomb type shit. You know, the, the thing that I sometimes think about is like back in the day, from what I hear, like I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't at the old improv in New York or whatever. But back in the day, from what I hear, it was like there were fewer places to perform. So it was more of a nexus of you go to this one place and when you get your shot, a lot of people are in the room. And so it's a baseline of at least like once you get in front of the crowd, quote unquote, it is a crowd and it means something. And that, I don't know how much that's like nostalgic or, or whatever, but like definitely things seem to have splintered more from the standpoint of like, there's there's not exactly one place to go anymore. I mean, I tell a joke yeah. where it's like, uh, basically Johnny Johnny Carson's dead, so we're all screwed as comedians because you can't make it unless you get on Johnny's couch and Johnny's dead, you know? So like that kind of is, it used to be 
if it's a movie, it has to be on in the theaters. If it's a show, it has to be on one of the three channels. And so, like, at least if you get it made, people will see it. Now we have the tools, but it's maybe harder to be seen. And some people figure it out. So I know there's a way to do it. That's sort of the challenge, right? Do, do all comedians have that goal? Is it to make it to be seen? Well, I mean, I can't speak for comedians, but like as a writer, if you write something down, it's because you think it has some kind of value, right? Mm. And you're the you're the primary because I, in a lot of shows, especially the one that I was watching, um, can't remember the name of it, but it came on Showtime. It was loosely based on. Um, you talking about I'm dying up here? The yes. store on Showtime, yeah. Yes, based on the story. Yeah, yeah, I like that show. That was fun. It, and and it seemed like uh, I, the the because I was only watching the trial, <laughs> the the Showtime trial, the free trial. So, um, and I think in the first episode, one of their, one of the regulars, someone that had um, uh, kind of made his bones at that club, made it onto that show, that 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 Carson like show, and everyone else was kind of just floored like fuck you know it, when is it going to be me kind of thing yeah you know man so i actually really want to read the the source material that that was based on because it was based on sort of a literal memoir and then uh i, I guess they didn't want to get sued or whatever so they they altered it up but i do think that that story is fascinating i mean like the original improv for example as far as i understand it it started out it was a deli they just had like a little space and some some people wanted to have some time and it's just like performing in a deli for a couple people eating you know what i mean like have you right. seen richard Pryor live and smoking i talk about this all the time but it's it's not exactly a special it's a recording of just like Pryor in a room with 20 people working off of notes and it's one of my favorite uh documents it's one of my favorite comedy uh albums if you want to call it that or comedy specials or whatever because it's so raw, you know, like if you go on comic strip on YouTube, you can watch old videos from the comic strip and it's not a special, it's not, you know, a huge crowd. It's just a comic working stuff out without noticing that there's even a camera without maybe even paying attention to that. And it, right. you could find, you know, three hours of Chappelle just thinking out loud or like this, this Chris Rock, him working out 10 minutes that he's about to sort of do on SNL and he's about to make it part of his special, but right now it's just the raw materials and he's thinking he's not really performing. And to me, that's the best. That's the most exciting. Like even if, if you go on YouTube and Gotham Live, Gotham Live is like, it's comics just kind of working it out, but it's pretty contemporary. You can find something from the last few months in New York. And it's like, where there's the opportunity to fail, it's more interesting. Whereas if you're trying to make it perfect, you know, what is that? Well what what is the feeling when a crowd doesn't laugh or i think there was, it was a uh, mitch hedberg that was talking about the distinctive laugh in the crowd the 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 weird laugh in the crowd and how when you don't hear that weird laugh it's like oh fuck the joke probably didn't land with weird well, laugh know, over there what i find is um not getting the laugh especially if if it's very clear you were trying to pause for one that's difficult and a lot of people like that by not leaving any space, you know, not leaving a pause <laughs> in their act. But like what I find is I perform in bars a lot. And so some a lot of times you'll hear a, a performance where 
everything goes on in the background of the room as though no performance is happening. Mm. And that it's like not having an impact on the room. That's the worst. Um, I think I might have to jump off because I was supposed to connect with Nate and uh, do do his podcast. But um, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really good to. No, bro. Anytime, man. And, and thank you for coming on, because like I said, uh, the Rose Motel on the on the symphony or being a part of the symphony release is is huge. But the fact that you have so much more that you're working on, man, anytime you want to uh, chop it up or even just shout something out or, or tell us about something, man, consider this your home, bro. We Hell's yeah, dude. love talking to you, man. So until next time, everybody. This has been another episode of the Black Man's Heart Podcast. Thank you to our guest, Baraka Noel. Always. We'll see y'all next time. Peace, Peace. Doug.